Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We are a hockey podcast here on The Chris Johnston Show, a show that we do on Mondays and Thursdays. But uh, if you haven't caught on with both of us, we are both baseball fans, uh, notably CJ, big Toronto Blue Jays fan. So I have no doubt uh, that you saw Aaron Judge hit home run number 61 against your beloved Blue Jays. And I have no doubt that you also saw uh, the now famed Frankie Lasagna drop number 61 in the stands. Ugh! I I took no joy in any of that. First of all, having Judge break the record at Rogers Center, I, I was really hoping the Jays would sneak out of that series without giving up that 61st homer. But if there was maybe going to be a, a little bit of a positive lining to it, maybe, you know, some lucky Torontonian or, or fellow Jays fan could have caught the ball, cashed in on it and at least made some dough. And, and you can see there's, I mean, there's really, there's Frankie lasagna, but there's a couple other people right in that section that at least could dream about uh, catching the ball. And uh, they missed out, man. They missed out. That was, that was tough to watch quite honestly. I mean, the fact that, that one fan gave an interview to the Canadian press, actually to Greg Strong, a former colleague of mine, and then another and, mine and another declined to give an interview. I think it tells you everything you need to know about in that moment, how disappointing that must have been. So, you know, great moment, obviously tip your cap to Aaron Judge's season, but uh, uh, a kind of heartbreaking thing to, to have play out uh, on our TV sets and watch that. Ultimately, I thought the name Frankie Lasagna was a fake name. Because I I don't know why you would ever want to put your name on on like it's one thing everyone sees the video of you like missing out on that ball. I wouldn't blame a guy if he didn't want to put his name on it and give some fake pseudonym to some website or whatever, just so that way no one really knows who his name is. But the guy's name genuinely is Frank Lasagna, and he has a restaurant and everything. Well, have we verified that's really the name? Well. Hey. I hate to cast so, any aspersions. I'm sorry, sir, if that is your name, but I'm just saying something inside me when I hear that, it's like, wait a minute, is this is this real? I'd almost want to see ID if I was doing uh, if I was interviewing someone on that story. So Scott Brown, who's the sports editor at the Canadian Press right now, we were tweeting back and forth about this, and he sent me a link to the restaurant that Frankie Lasagna works for, and if you see in their about page. It says, hi. Well, it starts off one of the first lines. It's like, hi, my name is Frankie Lasagna. I'm trying to find the name of said restaurant. I, I honestly forget the name of it, which I guess is not really good promo for them. But we're not really in the business of doing promo for people who don't pay us, if you get what I'm saying. All that to say, uh, it seems as if Frankie Lasagna is a real name, but his shame is very real. Just the idea that you have an opportunity to get like at worst $2 million and you drop it. It goes off your glove and you miss it. Like oh, that oh, is, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. Oh, what's I actually up? got, uh, I got some news. Wait, wait, wait whoa, 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 whoa. This doesn't ha- I mean, it's happened like a few times where we see stuff that kind of goes through. Uh, did you, what'd you see? What's going on? Rasmus Sandin is finalizing a two year deal with the Leafs. Um, okay. 
Are you breaking news like live right now? Oh, two-year deal for Sandine. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry, I got a tweet. This is not going to make good. Uh... So, so I've said this on so many times before uh, where I do not like feel any way about CJ on the podcast when he's like looking up and looking down at his phone because there's a good chance that he's like trying to like break news or try and make something happen that day has finally happened where cj is breaking news on his own podcast and okay rasmus sandin we've, we've mentioned him on the podcast before uh it looks as if he is signing a two-year deal is that is that all we know right now 1.4 million is the av on the contract okay um Hang on, I just got to tweet this. Okay, so by the time, I mean, that's still pretty cool that we were able to print this as we were recording. That's very convenient. Um, this is really cool. Just to see, like, you're so basically for people who are watching on YouTube and are not watching on YouTube right now, like, CJ is literally just like on his phone in full on tunnel vision, tweeting out or, or at least writing about this story, uh, or just, just letting everybody know Rasmus Sandin has signed. Uh, a two-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it w- I mean, kind of convenient, funny enough, funny enough considering uh, the game they played Wednesday night against the Canadians where two of their defensemen uh, end up going out due to injury, Carl Dahlstrom and Jordy Ben. So I wonder how much that had to do with uh, getting Rasmus Sandin's deal done. And I guess you could answer that uh, when you're able to look up. But this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty cool. Uh-oh, you're seeing how the sausage is made for any, anyone Exactly. Um, I mean, there's a couple interesting things to unpack here. Uh, okay. But, um, you know, the good thing for Sandine is, well, first of all, it sounds to me, and this is just some initial reporting being done. Um, sure, yeah. That, uh, oh, man, my phone's going nuts. Are you okay? <laughs> Do you need a break? Right. Do you need I need a break. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. I wish I had a chocolate bar here to chill out with. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wish you had one too at this point. Um, Man. But You okay? Yes, I'm fine. It's like I didn't plan on this happening during the podcast. No. No, but, well, no one did. I didn't write this in my notes at all. I mean... I mean, you have to be prepared for the unexpected, essentially. So, yeah, just as as best as you can, uh, give us everything you know about the Rasmus Sandin situation. So I think that the the injuries on the Leafs' blue line here actually helped um, in this case. It sounds like Rasmus Sandin, rather than seeing a bunch of his teammates out injured and thinking, hey, this is a chance for more leverage in negotiations – decided he wanted to be part of the solution rather than the problem. And so it's my understanding that, that ironically, when you would think, you know, with Timothy Lilligren going to miss a few weeks of the regular season, uh, both Jordy Ben and Carl Dahlstrom left Wednesday's preseason game against Montreal injured. Jake Muzzin hasn't yet been a full participant in camp with a back issue. Um, that it was at that point, Sandine, I think, decided that there was no sense in extending this any further. Um, you know, it's my understanding he'll fly to Toronto on Friday. Uh, and rejoin the lease or join training camp, I suppose, for um, for for, for Friday by the end of the week for for training camp. And so, you know, it's sort of interesting. You'd think that that would play into his favor, and I think ultimately it led to him, um, you know, signing a deal. So, 
you know, for the Leafs, this is good news because they are down a bunch of D's. Mm-hmm. Um, and my apologies. All good. All good. Do what you need to do. Again, this is if this was like radio, we'd have to do the whole, you know, remind every few minutes what's going on. But we might as well just do it anyway for those who I mean, no, not that people would be tapping in right now, but this is still really cool that you're able to break this news of Rasmus Sandin signing. This is really awesome. Yeah, they're seeing my distracted brain, you know, toggling between my texts uh, and 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 you're uh, on this like this isn't like a press release like this is this is your info. Yeah. Actually, the Leafs are just releasing it right now. So there you go. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. This is, okay. This is really like an in-depth look of like how it is for like an insider, like breaking a story and then trying to get out a little in front of, of the team. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. So, you know, look at, this is good for Sandine. He's a 22-year-old defenseman. He missed eight days of training camp. And I think everyone recognized it had to end. I'm told there's actually a meeting face to face earlier in the week with, with the, the Leafs front office and Sandine's agent, which I think helped get things going in a positive direction. But ultimately the player himself saw the situation back in Toronto, saw the fact that uh, the team is losing players. And, and I think, you know, look, we've, we've talked about this throughout with a number of the RFAs. I mean, really on your second contract, you don't have much choice. And so, you know, the high line item here is he takes a deal at 1.4 million over two years that he could have signed probably three months ago. Um, what changed, of course, is the circumstances. And I think missing that time. And it's actually critical for the Leafs um, because they're going to start the year with Timothy Lilligren's salary on long-term injury reserve. It's 1.4 million. So that mm. matches up perfectly in terms of the Leafs at least being able to start the season cap compliant. Uh, I would think at some point, if they do get fully healthy, which is always an if with NHL teams, it's always risky to say, hey, when they get fully healthy, because some years no team gets fully or a team doesn't get fully healthy. But, you know, they might have to make a trade to make the numbers work. But, you know, it looks to me, at least uh, in this initial instance, that, um, you know, that Sandine is, is, is going to basically help the team fit all the pieces together to start camp. I don't or to start the season. I don't think they'll have to make a move there and and. And we'll go from there. And so, you know, he's going to be in Toronto on the weekend. I'm sure he'll address some of this himself. Maybe Kyle Dubas will speak to reporters. And then, you know, what's important for the Leafs is to get him back on the ice because I think he's going to be an important contributor for them this season. Thank you for answering that question with the salary cap because that was going to be my follow-up question. And funny enough, like in my notes, I was going to ask because of all those injuries uh, on the blue line, what that would mean for Sandine, but also – uh Dahlstrom and, and Ben's injuries and, and Lilgren and, and Muzzin, uh they are also on top of the fact that John Tavares is also out for the next three weeks with an oblique injury. We're gonna get to that a little later on in the show today. We're gonna get to uh some news about some estimates of the salary cap going up in the next few years. Uh we also have to get to sports interaction with uh David Bastel, which we'll get to it in a in a few moments. I, I feel as if like you know, see, I know you like the good, good coffee. I think you might have to get yourself some good, good wine for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little early in the morning for that. We're, we do record in the morning, as our loyal listeners know. But uh, it doesn't you know. stop you from being an arrow at nine o'clock in the morning. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um. Okay, so. We have that news out there. We still have other stuff we're going to get to on the, this edition of the CJ show. Uh, you know what we're going to do, actually? We're going to bring in David Bastel from Sports Interaction. 
Uh, we'll get to that segment. And on the other side, we're going to get to some more fun stuff on the CJ show uh, with DB and sports interaction as always. 19 and over we ask that you play responsibly there is a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of the show it's time to play the you can bet that intro what's funny about this episode siege is that i did have like i I know i mentioned it off top but i do have a section planned out with just a bunch of leaf stuff because we're still kind of in the quiet days of of preseason and all that teams are still trying to figure themselves out but it seems as if the bigger stories right now are, are coming out with the Leafs. And that was before uh, the wildness of the Rasmus Dean trade being broken down. I thought the, the big thing would be talking about how John Tavares, uh, his oblique injury, would affect the Maple Leafs for the next few weeks. I, and I still think we should still discuss that on uh, the CJ show today. Yeah, I feel like I need to apologize to the viewers and listeners. That, that whole first segment that you can bet Why? that segment was a bit of a mess. Um well, because I, I've, I mean, I usually try to give you my full attention, uh, but in this case, my phone is just like, it's okay. But look at, I guess sometimes people want to know how the sausage is made. Sometimes that's what it is, right? You could be, you could be out at the grocery store. You could be chilling at Starbucks. You could be in line to go to a movie, and all of a sudden something goes down, and you're trying to push out as much information as you can. Did we ever, did I ever ask you where's the weirdest place you've, you've broken a story? I feel like I did, but I don't remember. Honestly, in this moment, I can't, uh, I can't even really give you a good answer. Like there's, I don't have one obvious candidate, but it's because, you know, literally the, I mean, look at the job is 24 seven. It's an awesome Mm -hmm. job. I'm not complaining, but you're Mm -hmm. doing it everywhere all the time, no matter where you are just to varying degrees. Um, just in terms of being in contact with people and, and, figuring out what's going on around the league. There's a lot of teams. There's a lot, um, there's a lot going on. So uh, I can't think right now, maybe the weirdest thing, weirdest place I've broken a trade is on this podcast with you trying to, trying to work my way through a segment where you're asking me questions. And I literally don't know if I'm hearing anything. Like I'm just like, um, you know, staring at the wall. So, Okay, I was going to approach it another way. I was just going to mention a bunch of random places, and you could just tell me if you've broken a trade there or not. Probably a bathroom at some point. I was about the the toilet was the very first place. I I don't even know if that's weird, though. You don't think it's weird to just, what, you're sitting on the toilet and your phone comes out? It's like, oh, crap, this guy signed. Well, I mean, I just think, doesn't everyone, I mean... We don't need to get into this, but like, doesn't everyone need to get a toilet humor? Yes, it's on their phone in in that position at times. So you don't think it's weird about breaking news on the toilet? Is what you're saying? Well, I don't know. We're all connected everywhere <laughs> nowadays, man. Like, no one really wants to think about this. Uh, <laughs> as long as you clean your phone after the fact or wash your right. hands at the this, very this least. Is, where are we going? Like, keep your job is to keep us out of the ditch, Julian. And I feel no, like, no, 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 no. Like you've purposely... got your hands on the wheel and you're turning hard right. No, no, just... no, no, no. I purposefully wanted us to drive into this ravine, CJ. This is this is fun because look, we need to to. Look, I need more material at this point. But I, I, when you brought up the idea about like just bringing up stories, I had to make my mind go that way. So not the bathroom. Uh, you know what? We won't even need to bring up more weird places. Just talk to me about John Tavares and the fact that he's out for the next three weeks with an oblique injury and what the heck the Leafs are supposed to do with that. Um, well, I, I think they're okay. I mean, look, the, 
if there's one thing, the Leafs are a pretty deep team at forward. Um, you know, no team wants to have the amount of injuries the Leafs seem to have had in the early days of camp, although they're, they're certainly not the only one. You know, players push themselves to a different level as soon as they, they get in this work, first week of camp and, and groin issues pop up and, and back issues pop up for older players. You know, I, I'm certainly not painting this as good news for the Leafs, but I also don't think it's a crisis point. Um, you know, between Alex Kerfoot, who's who's filled in, in in a pinch, including in that playoff series with Montreal, and, and actually had a strong series when Tavares was injured as a second-line center. Toronto's also added Callie Yarncroft um, mm-hmm. in the offseason. And, and, you know, he's someone I think that the organization is comfortable using in a top-six role when needed. You know, probably if they get to a point where everyone's healthy, he's more of a third-liner on the team. And so... You know, I, I think that they'll be okay in the short term, and and the, at least the initial prognosis on Tavares is that it's it's about a three week injury, uh, you know, which takes you into the first week of training of regular season. But you know, I don't think it's necessarily a long term issue. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate for him though. I mean, you know, last off season, meaning the one prior to the 2021-22 season, um, you know, he he was after that hit from Montreal, you know, I think his, his summer wasn't quite normal, obviously after that, you know, he was really optimistic about having a full summer and, and feeling on top of his game, you know, entering this camp and now that'll be disrupted. But, you know, this is unfortunately part of what goes on in the league. I think as you get older, it's, you know, you see it with players. And so you know, I don't see that as being as big of issue for the Leafs as, as maybe their questions on the blue line. Uh, but, you know, the Sandine signing does help there because it will give them another option another experienced body to, to play in their top six uh, because it looks like they're going to have a few guys sideline when it comes to the start of the season at, at that position. Oh, by the way, um, off that game yesterday against the Canadians, um, where it got to a point where, where Ben and Dahlstrom um, were injured and we, we, the Leafs had to put in a Cali Yarncroc and, and, an, and an Alex Kerfoot on defense. Can you just describe what that was like watching that seeing two forwards be put into defensive duty? It was, I was at the game and, and I mean, it was what I, I mean, other than trying to like watch Slavkovsky a little bit, although it was a pretty sleepy night for the Canadians in that game. So there wasn't a lot to watch. Um, it, it was, it was very interesting. What's, what's surprising and look, it's an exhibition game. I'm not sure what it means, but they both filled in pretty well. I, you know, I thought, I mean, maybe a couple moments where they got lost, but given that neither player, uh, neither Cal Yarncroft or Alex Kerfoot had played defense, prior in their career, like even as kids, that it was not a position they played. I thought they handled it pretty well. They were making some breakout passes, you know, probably helps when you're, you're playing with TJ Brody as Kerfoot was and, and Morgan Riley as, as Yarncroft was, you know, two of the Leafs best defensemen uh, to, to, to help them get through that. But, you know, it was, is a strange circumstance, but you know, those two injuries happened basically, you know, early in the second period, both they, they lost two defensemen. I think Sheldon Keefe was looking at his bench and not wanting to overtax the four def- healthy defensemen he had. And so it was, it was a little bit strange, but you know, exhibition games, you, you don't always have something to focus on. That was kind of one of the the interesting points and, and the Leafs managed to actually put up a shutout somehow. So, um, you know, if you're the Canadians, you're probably feeling, I saw Mike Johnson from TSN make it, you know, put out a tweet about if you're a Canadians player, you're like, wow, we had, you know, two periods against forwards playing D and that's all, that's how little we got done. Um, you know, maybe a little regret there from their end of the, the ledger. I can imagine that. Uh, you know, it's not like, it's, well, I mean, the Canadians at the end of the day, they went through that. It's not like they, they lost like a Zamboni driver or something in that. Like they, there are worse ways to lose games. And that was not an intentional dig. It just, you know, to, sorry. 
that kind of came out. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. I know we've been on it about it in, in our last show, Julian, but like these exhibition games, some of them are tough to watch. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, some teams are playing eight uh, exhibition games. You're getting mishmashes of rosters. You're, you know, it's, we're all sort of getting through this. I mean, not to trivialize the process. I do think, you know, there is, there is certain aspects where players are trying to prove themselves and get the attention of management and the coaching staff. They can do that in practice, but you know, I think doing it in the game helps too. Um, but we're not going to remember much about these exhibition games. Maybe I'll remember watching two forwards play D that might be one thing that stands out. Um, but generally I've been to a number of my career and I can't tell you too much about what happened in them. So what, so on that note, I mean, even if for preseason games as a whole, like you're not going to remember much of them, there's still people fighting for roster spots, whether they're young prospects or people on PTOs. I was just curious uh, whether just in Toronto or just around the league, like are there any young, any PTOs or other young players in roster battles that you're keeping an eye out for? Well, there's tons of intriguing names actually on PTOs this season. I mean, you got Eric Stahl in Florida. Um, you know, James Neal is, is on one in Columbus. You know, we're talking about pretty accomplished players, have, you know, done a lot of things in this league, still trying to, to carve out a role. You know, one guy in Toronto, Zach Aston Reese, I, I fully expect him to get a contract. Uh, he's not he's not just in camp. You know, sometimes there's there's two things here, and people might not realize this. You have to to play eight players in every preseason game that are deemed veterans. And there's a whole list of criteria that that satisfies that. But you know, in simple form, players that have played a lot in the league, you know, count that way. And so sometimes teams bring in PTOs quite honestly, I think just to be able to help them meet the veteran requirement in these games. And, and, you know, in certain cases, you know, the, the players don't really have a, what I call a real legitimate chance to make the team, you know, at the other end of the spectrum is someone like Zach Aston Reese in Toronto, who I fully expect to sign with the Leafs once they get their LTIR pool set at the start of the year. Um, you know, he's, he's someone that they, they, they talked to all throughout the summer and, and, you know, it turned out that there was a fit there, but, you know, I, I don't really think he's trying out for anything. I think he's, he's on the team and it's just a matter of working out the contractual and, and, you know, salary cap ramifications of his spot. You know, a couple guys there in your town I'm interested in. I, I think Sonny Milano is facing a bit of an uphill battle uh, with the Flames. I mean, it's a, it's a deep forward group. You know, he's he's kind of been a player, if you look at his career, has been an in-betweener. Uh, I know he had a, a really good year playing with Trevor Zegers last year in Anaheim, but back to his days in Columbus was, was almost too good for the AHL, but sometimes had trouble establishing himself at the NHL level. You know, we'll see what happens with injuries and things too. I mean, that that's, that's the other aspect of this. If a player two goes down, you know, it could, could open the door for someone like a Milano. Um, but, you know, I, I sort of have my eye on the veteran players. I, I don't know if you, you saw on Wednesday, but Alex Gelchenyuk was let go from Colorado camp. I heard he'd suffered a, a minor injury maybe, and that might've oh. led to him, him being let go or, or cut loose or whatever, whatever terminology would be correct for the, the tryouts. But, you know, the truth is, is there's, maybe 30 players on PTOs right now around the league. I'd only expect maybe five to earn jobs, you know, Jake for in Edmonton. It doesn't seem like that's trending towards him getting a, you know, a contract. Um, You know, maybe someone like Alex Chieson, who's actually earned a contract, I think three times as a PTO he's in Arizona and that's a team that could probably use a a veteran player. And so I guess they're not all created equal. Those are some of the ones I have an eye on. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious, frankly, to see what happens with Eric Stahl just because, you know, he ended up not playing any NHL games last year. Uh, he, he was, uh, you know, played for Team Canada at the the Olympics. 
was the captain of the team, but didn't get, didn't get an NHL job. And now he's trying out for that team alongside his brother, Mark, uh, who's, who's down in Florida now. And so I think that would be kind of a cool story. I've always had uh, a lot of time for Eric and the Stahl family. And, um, you know, I'm sure if he's playing for league minimum, maybe that uh, he can, can help out a veteran team. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, one name I, I was kind of hoping would end up on that PTO list would be uh, Joe Thornton because uh, he was doing some skating with uh, San Jose uh, not too long ago, actually. He seems to be kind of hanging around the team. I, I kind of wished in my heart of hearts that like the Sharks were just giving him like one last run. Or I don't know if he'll retire as a Shark or whatever, or if he just wants to get himself in game shape. But I was hoping that Joe Thornton would be one of those players on a PTO deal this offseason. Yeah, and, and he's kept his plans pretty close to the vest. You know, I, I have to think, We've seen him play his last game in the NHL. That's that's sort of what my instinct tells me. But the fact you, you see him ripping around and still skating, I mean, maybe he hasn't come to that conclusion. You know, there's always been a thought, you know, Joe Thornton keeps close ties to, to Switzerland. He, he married a Swiss woman and, and spends a lot of time there. That maybe his his final, final season uh, would be played in Switzerland. You know, you can remember he played for HC Davos actually in, you know, prior to during one of the COVID seasons. Anyway, he kept in shape and played some games over there. Um, and so maybe, maybe we see him in Switzerland, maybe he finds his way back. You know, I I don't have a sense of what his plans are. You know, the sharks have made it known that they're more than happy to have him around the team, to have him around their organization. And I'm sure there's a, almost whatever kind of job in, in, in that organization for him, uh, when he is ready to retire, but you know, it doesn't seem like that it's in the cards for, for him to be a player there. And, you know, I just think it's, it's tough at his age to, to keep going and, you know, look with Zidane Chara retiring, with Jason Spezza retiring in the off season, maybe Joe Thornton. I mean, the next oldest skater in the league becomes Mark Giordano, who's uh, thirty eight going on thir- thirty nine. You know, you also have Craig Anderson, the goalie in Buffalo, who's who's forty one. But you know, the truth is, there's just not very many players that have a four at the start of their age that can play in the NHL uh, these days. Uh, even when you're as accomplished as Joe Thornton has been, you know, he was a very productive player right into his late thirties, but each year gets a little tougher and, you know, he hasn't announced his attention, so I'm not going to retire him for him, but you know, it's hard to see him making his way back. I think at this stage, it's just, uh, just a difficult thing to do. Not, not many guys, you know, Joe Pavelski had the great year in Dallas last year. He's one of the oldest skaters in the league too this year. He'll be, he'll be top five. And, you know, he was almost a point per game player. Pretty, pretty awesome to actually put in context uh, the year he had last year for the stars, given, given his age. Here's another reason why I want to see Joe Thornton back in the league. As of right now, among active players, I believe none of them have played in the 20th century. Joe Thornton and Zdeno Chara, I think, was the last active player to have played in the 20th century up until he retired. And if Joe Thornton comes back, then he becomes the the only active player to have played last century. That's a really interesting stat to me. You mean the late 1900s? (laughs) <laughs> yeah back in the days when uh they had big brick phones and the internet just became a thing yeah we didn't even have brick phones in the late like they had them but nobody really had them like i think i got my first cell phone in like 2002 or something Jeez. Uh, so what was, phone was it i don't remember the brand but it was just like a cheesy little flip phone i think it was a motorola uh, it certainly wasn't fancy, but it was a big deal to have a phone. I mean, for years, I thought like, why, why do you need a phone everywhere you are? Uh, it's almost a crazy, <laughs> it's a crazy notion now, but this is, this is what happens. You, you, you don't see, 
you don't always see what you need. And now basically we're, we're carrying computers around in our pockets and we're, we're breaking news from these things and sending out stories and, and doing like all aspects of our job with one device. I mean, that, that whole idea would have been hard for, for 20 year old CJ to imagine. Thank you technology for being a great thing for all of us and just being reliable and amazing and not causing us any stress whatsoever. Thanks so much technology. <laughs> we really appreciate you. Um, yes, social media has brought about some stresses, I, I must say. Oh, yes. Yes, it has. Um, there's a actually one other thing I want to mention with PTOs. I think it's really interesting that you think that Sonny Milano has an uphill battle in Calgary as someone who is on the ground. Because I would have thought that because he was there, other prospects behind him seemed to be a bit more of an uphill battle. And I think Sonny Milano's actually looked okay. Like he's he's trying to put himself in like positions to score and stuff. And I don't think he scored in preseason yet, but he could be that ideal guy to fit on like a bottom six left wing spot. That really is like the spot that's available for the Calgary Flames. I was talking with his agent a couple of days ago. They were saying like a handful of teams were interested in him before uh, the PTO signing kind of happened. And uh, he's, his focus really is just to try to make the Flames out of camp. But I don't, I don't know if he is the outright favorite for that job, but I feel as if considering that there are prospects like Jacob Pelletier available that the, the Flames could have easily tapped into, the fact that a guy like Sonny Milano is there, uh, I think that makes it harder on other people. Also, Cody Eakin is also in camp as well, the Calgary Flames. Right. And let me be clear. I don't think any decisions have been made because they don't need no. to be made yet. And, and you know, the way a PTO works is is he could, if he doesn't sign in Calgary, he, he could sign anywhere else at any given moment. I mean, you're truly uh, a, a free agent still, but you, you know, have an agreement to to try out at a certain team. You get certain protections from that if you get injured and the like. Um, but, you know, there, there's there's not much in, in the way of commitment for any player on a PTO um, you know, I just think Calgary's it's a tough forward group. It was a little surprising for me that Sonny Milano went through the summer and, and didn't sign somewhere for, you know, something, but you know, players at sort of the, the middle to lower class of NHL players are getting squeezed now. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's any way around that. And, you know, maybe he would have thought he would get a job when he wasn't qualified in Anaheim a little easier and it, and it didn't happen. You know, now he's got to go earn it the old fashioned way. And, and um, you know, I'm not saying it's the door is closed from there, but I think it's going to be tough that the Flames have a lot of good forwards and, and they have limited cap space. Like a lot of teams, they have to manage that situation too. And, and, you know, we'll see where the chips fall, but, you know, certainly, uh, you know, probably some easier teams around the league. He could have went to, to earn a job, but to give him credit. I mean, he wants to, to be somewhere where he can win. And uh, Calgary looks like a good spot for that. If he can, if he can get a contract. I want to bring up two other stories before we get to stick taps to wrap up the show. Uh, and I wanted to get to them earlier in the week, but uh, we have time to get to them now. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly wanting a new deal in, in St. Louis doesn't seem as if he's that concerned about when that contract will, will come about, but I believe he will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. What are your thoughts on the Ryan O'Reilly dossier? Well, you know, the, the blues in the past have made difficult decisions on players like Ryan O'Reilly, you know, if you go way back, it was David Backus who who left via free agency and was the captain and a longtime sort of key member of the team, you know, and then Alex Petrangelo uh, never got a new deal and, and done in St. Louis and, and went on to, to Vegas. And, you know, he was a captain who, who helped the team win the Stanley Cup. 
you know, Ryan O'Reilly, that doesn't guarantee that they'll do the same with him. But I think, you know, what it tells you about Doug Armstrong is that he's not afraid to make a tough decision on a player kind of at that, that iffy part of the career where if you're committing long-term and big money to, there's, there's certainly some risk of, you know, about under, you know, the performance tailing off or, or injury risk, what have you. And so it'll, it'll be an interesting one to watch. I mean, this is also a summer where, you know, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas have signed, you know, pretty big extensions with the blues. And so you can see the next sort of generation popping through now and, and, you know, we'll see where everything lands with O'Reilly. I think that, that he'll be a player in pretty high demand if he ends up being a free agent uh, next summer. Uh, and, you know, I think the fact that he's comfortable with where he's at is, is a good thing. I mean, he's look, he's, he's earned good money during his career. He's had lots of success um, and he's played on a few teams. So I think he understands if, if it's not St. Louis, that he'll probably find a, a good landing spot eventually, but uh, it doesn't sound like there's, there's any reason to expect anything happening imminently there. And, and ultimately we're in a hard cap system. Every team ends up making difficult choices as a result of that. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what the Blues will have to do when it comes time to to make a final call on what they do with O'Reilly. But hey, uh, the salary cap is supposed to be going up at least by a mil next year. And it looks as if it could be going up by a couple more million dollars if the uh, estimates from the NHL are to be believed. Yeah, it's basically locked in that next year will be 83.5 million. You know, the players are still repaying the debt to the owners uh, from the pandemic. Uh, basically, the terms of that is is if, revenues are over a certain threshold, which, you know, the league should comfortably, you know, hit that it just goes up by a million. So we're $82.5 million ceiling this season uh, because the debt will still be being repaid. I would expect 83.5 million next year. And then it's, it's the year beyond that where we expect a a sizable jump to take place, um, you know, tied to revenues again, which is, you know, the way the old system worked before the pandemic uh, turned everything upside down. And so, you know, that, that, looms as an interesting idea if you're you know going to be signing a new deal you know austin matthews will need a new deal in that context you know a couple of years after that it'll be connor mcdavid uh, leon dreisaitl you know lots of high-end players uh, will be coming up for new contracts with that sort of being part of the thinking and you know should finally maybe open some some things up around the league it's been a difficult couple of years of transactions because you just have so many teams at the cap ceiling i mean basically half the league at this point is is you know doing it doing some sort of dance with the salary cap um you know i think that'll get a little bit easier when it gets a jump and you know maybe it's only what three years from now you you see 90 million dollar cap and and above um and you know that's i think some some good days are on the horizon julian is, is the best way to put it you know i've been told we've seen you know about 12 teams unveil sweater ads at this point uh, with the patches on their sweaters, I'm told that the, the most expensive of those deals is somewhere around 10 million for a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this year we're not going to have 32 teams and some teams are doing partial ads, you know, like the Montreal Canadians uh, have just ads on their home sweaters at this point. Uh, other teams, I think will will maybe sell ads during the year. So it won't be full deals, but you know, you can, it's not hard to project down the line, say a year or two beyond this one where all 32 teams have them. Uh, all those ads are sold for somewhere between five and 10 million a year you know, you're looking at a couple hundred million dollars created out of thin air that goes to the hockey related revenue, which, you know, benefits the players and owners uh, equally uh, will help pump the cap. You've got a 32nd team in Seattle. Um, you know, I think it's, it's actually, we're getting to sort of an exciting time for the league that, that everyone had to sort of weather a storm financially uh, for the last few seasons. But I think there's, there's some excitement league wide that, that you're actually going to see a, the cap jump 
know, players are going to start earning more money. And of course that means owners are, are putting more money in their pockets too. Uh, to quote J. Cole, my intuition is telling me that they are going to be better days. I love the fact that you mentioned the fact that we're going to see better days on the on the other side of the of the other side of the horizon. I know you meant that in a context of the salary cap, but uh, I like to think that works in the real world context as well. Um, one last thing I want to mention too: uh, the Anaheim Ducks say they will not discuss new deals with Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, and Troy Terry until the end of the season. That's three young players who are expected to be part of that Ducks nucleus for quite some time. And they're all super talented. Do you think it's a good idea that Pat Verbeek wants to wait until the end of the year to make a deal with those three players? It's a bit of a calculated risk, right? I mean, if if they have even greater seasons than they've had before, that it gives them sort of a wider range of players to include in the comparables when it comes time to uh, make contract decisions or negotiations. You know, Pat Verbeek, though, has is fairly new on the job there as a general manager and, you know, not even a full year into his tenure. And so I think, you know, he's taking a bit of a wait and see approach with everyone in the organization, not wanting to, to jump into any decisions, feeling rushed by those sorts of timelines. And so, yeah, maybe they end up paying them a little bit more as a result. But, you know, maybe maybe he learns something and, and you know, ends up trading one of them. I mean, I think it's hard hard to know at this point in time, you know, that the ducks I think are, are getting on the right track uh, with where they're headed, but it's been a few seasons of, you know, wandering around the abyss. And so, you know, sometimes the, you have to draw that line. I mean, you know, the, the Leafs, for example, I think back kind of famously, they let Mitch Marner play at the final, the third year of his entry level contract, he, he pops for 90 points or whatever it was, you know, and has, you know, a better case in negotiations to get the, the deal he, he got, but, you know, sometimes players struggle in that platform here too. Um, you know, th- there's not, th- there's not one way it goes. And so, you know, I, I would call that a calculated risk and one where you really have a front office that, that's still getting to know its team and, and, you know, probably doesn't want to jump into any of those, those contracts circumstances without a full picture. You know, it's a little easier say for Pierre Dorian to sign Tim Stutzla a year out uh, because he's been around the development of the kid. He knows the player. He's seen the way things are trending. I, I think that, it's easier to do that when you've been in the job a few years and, and Pat Verbeek, you know, can't go back in time and, and be there when those guys were drafted. So, you know, I would say that that's probably the informs the approach and um, you know, they'll be comfortable paying more money if they have to, because it'll mean those players are, are even better than, than, you know, what management thinks today. All right. And with that, it's time for stick taps. Uh, it's the thing we do every Thursday where we show love to someone either in the hockey community or just, just anywhere really what's wild is that there are a lot of people at least for me who i think are deserving of stick taps of some sort uh, i was wondering what what you were thinking for stick taps i wanted to actually because i felt a little bad about hating on the exhibition games uh both last episode and a bit earlier in this one and i do want to give a stick tap to those players out there that have in recent days played maybe the only game they'll ever play in an nhl sweater uh, or, or even, you know, guys that have had to crawl up from, from the ECHL and, and, you know, maybe put some time on the buses in the American hockey league and, and to get into one of those NHL games does matter. And so, you know, I think that we should keep perspective that, okay, it's maybe not telling us which player is most ready to, to challenge for the scoring title or which team is going to be the best, you know, watching these preseason games. But, you know, we are talking about players that, 
it's a pretty cool experience. I think for, for some of those at the bottom of the, the lineup to get into those games. So I'm going to stick tap for everyone that, that has, has found this to be a milestone in their life for their families in their own hockey career and, and recognizing that, you know, for some guys just getting in one game in the circumstance is, is an achievement and is, is, you know, gotten them to a place maybe that they didn't know if they would get to at certain points. So let's not just race past everything and, and dismiss it. And so I'm, I'm self-correcting here, Julian, and just giving it to anyone out there that, uh, you know, has played a game in the last week or so. And, and, and it was a big deal for them because I do recognize it matters to some individuals, even if it doesn't matter to those of us commenting on it in the big picture. Shout out to everyone getting that type of opportunity. Uh, and well said, big money siege. Um, so for me, I thought it was really cool seeing um, this uh, a big record being broken out of uh, Hockey Eastern Ontario's U18 AAA League. Uh, Harry Nancy uh, is a winger, as a winger and a center, uh, I think for a team called the uh, the Raiders, the Nepean Raiders. I hope I'm saying Nepean right. Um, six goals, two assists, an eight-point effort, breaking the single-game scoring and goal record of that league. So I just wanted to shout him out. Uh, we got a tweet before we started from uh, Matthew Bauer, who I know he tweets at us a lot, and he, he's a big fan of the show. I believe today is his birthday. So uh, happy birthday, uh, and thank you so much for listening uh, to our show. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um yeah, I think that's pretty much the I mean, I guess there's a lot of people you could always like shout out, I guess, and all that. Um, I know tomorrow is Friday will be a truth and reconciliation day. And I know Bob McKenzie's been tweeting out a very interesting series with regards to that and the connection to sports on TSN. So big up to uh, to Bob McKenzie for that, but also uh just take tomorrow uh to reflect about the uh horrible treatment towards indigenous people in this country and what we can do to make things better. Uh, in this country with our relations with indigenous people. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I want to shout out for stick taps on this segment. Yeah. Nice job. I, I like the picture of the eight point game with, with the kid with all the pucks. That was pretty yeah. cool. He's got, you know, he's got quite a stack to take home after that night. So, so kudos for that one. And, you know, well said on the truth and reconciliation day. Also um, just not as serious as, as truth and reconciliation. Just, Give some thoughts to Frankie Lasagna today. This dude lost out on potentially $2 million uh, missing out on that Aaron Judge ball. Man, just glad that's not me. <laughs> I'm glad that's not me. I wouldn't have been able to live that down. I swear to God. Oh, my God. I I I'm still I thinking about that guy. I didn't tell you this, but I managed to snag some Blue Jays playoff tickets on Wednesday. Ooh, and okay. I actually, I actually, because honestly the seats sold out so quickly. So the, one of the games I got, I'm in the outfield section. So maybe I'll catch a home run ball in the playoffs. Won't be worth 2 million bucks, but I'll be, uh, I'll be ready. If, if I get my moment, then if you, uh, you got to catch that ball because if you end up in a situation where you're trying to catch that ball, that just, that just like, I don't know, goes off your glove and out, you're going to get memed to death. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it'll be good for, it'll be good for the content though. If, if, that, if that's what happens, uh, I, I I got game I got a, a tickets to a game in the division series so I'm I'm bullish on my Blue Jays I'm hoping they get through the wild card round and uh, I actually have tickets to a game that I can go and attend. Looking forward to watching playoff baseball. Some of the best sports television you can watch if you're not going to be able to be in person like 
me in this case because Calgary is a long, long uh, city away from uh, from Toronto. But uh, enjoy the playoff tickets, and I hope everyone listening enjoyed uh, this Thursday edition of the CJ Show. We broke a trade. We discussed other news and notes. And we discussed Frankie Lasagna. It doesn't get any better than this. No, and I promised to bring more focus on Monday. That was that was a scatterbrain episode if there's ever been one. But uh, anyway, don't worry about it. We don't worry about it. Together, I, Julian, I, thanks for your patience, bud. No worries, dog. No worries, dog. I love you very much, man. It's all good. It's all good. Love you too, bud. All right, man. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. If you're listening to this. Get get your questions in for Ask CJ. You can tweet us uh, either at Reporter Chris or JKA McKenzie. Just use the hashtag Ask CJ when you write your question and get on the Discord and write in your questions as well. For Siege, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.